Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Product Coalition European Tour where today I'm really excited to be joined by an old friend I'd like to say, David DiCipio. Welcome David. Hello Jay, good to have you here. Good, good to be here, thank you. Pleasure, absolute pleasure. I'm really looking forward to us talking about designing behaviour, David. Uh, I, know, I know you've got a very special background is what I consider it, so I'm really looking forward to, to talking some more with, um, with that with you. And um, for those listening, because of the whole COVID-19 situation, this is a remote podcast recording, so apologies if there are any sound issues or dropouts. We're doing our best to create as much value as possible, regardless of the situation. Now, I'm currently in Europe, originally from Australia, in Melbourne, um, with, with David, and I originally was planning to meet over 50 product leaders to gain insights, knowledge, and experience from them to share with you the global product coalition community. However, because of the COVID-19 situation, I'm switching back to these remote podcasts and hopefully giving you value from all over the world instead of just Europe. Now, the tour and every single podcast episode is dedicated to raising awareness and support for the bushfire-affected communities and wildlife in Australia. Those communities will be even more affected by the lack of tourism dollar about to hit them in the year 2020 due to COVID-19. So if you'd like to support the communities of Australia, uh, all the volunteer firefighters, all the wildlife are impacted by bushfires, you can do so over at bushfire.productcoalition.com. If you just discovered the Product Coalition, we're a global product community with over 500,000 readers, 6,000 Slack members, and thousands of podcast listeners. To find out more about us, you can head over to platform.productcoalition.com. Now, before we get stuck in, I do need to give a huge thanks to some brands and individuals that have been major donors to the tour fundraiser over at bushfire.productcoalition.com. First up is UserPilot. UserPilot is a co-free user onboarding and adoption tool designed especially for product management teams. UserPilot helps to increase conversion, user retention rates, and reduce churn by guiding new users to their first aha moment with interactive walkthroughs, contextual product tours, and onboarding checklists. It allows product managers to build fully customizable, behavior-triggered in-app experiences with a simple visual editor. You can head over to userpilot.com to grab a demo and a free trial. Showbit Chug is a Google product manager. Showbit helps product managers become product leaders and have careers they can be proud of. Go to intentionalproductmanager.com and sign up for Showbit's free class on habits that turn product managers into exceptional product leaders and help them move through their careers fast. Product-led teams like Mixpanel and Flexport know that the best time to capture engagement is when a user is already inside the product. That's why they use Chameleon to drive feature adoption, build onboarding flows, and gather user feedback. You can give it a go over at trychameleon.com forward slash success. Thank you to those brands and also to Rich Miranoff, James, Chris Miles, and James Woodley for their support as well. David, design and behavior. Let's go. Yeah, what an intro. Thank you. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks, Jay. So really looking forward to chatting through. For, for the audience listening, I think, David, we probably crossed paths, I think, 2015 was the first time. I was actually just reflecting on that, Jay, and the coffee. We had a coffee down at 150, I think, Lonsdale Street. Street yeah. Telstra, we're both wearing a Telstra. And yep. I remember having a coffee with you, and I was just blown away with your excitement for product. And me too, I was also very hungry to learn more about product. And I was like, I knew there was something that was going to be, you know, long lasting. And, you know, here we are five years later, yep. um, chatting on a podcast. So yeah, but, quite yeah, always enjoyed every, every moment with, with you uh, along the journey, David. As I say, your, your background has particularly always been really interesting to me and what you bring to um, UX and product and the whole space. So um, really looking forward to this session. So David, would you mind giving the audience a bit of background and a bit of, bit of your story, mate? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, totally. Um, so 
when Jay says that my background's a bit unique, um, it's because I'm, I'm a psychologist by, by trade, um, who then later found technology um, quite, quite interestingly. Um, so I started studying human resources and change management and leadership, um, but then through my organizational psychology masters, but then started to realize there was a massive gap um, in, my, in my training, which was around technology. Um, and I thought, you know, in today's day and age, how can we be learning about people without learning about technology? Um, so that set me on a, on a very different path to all my, all my friends, I suppose, who also studied psychology. And I took a job, one of my first jobs in a product, uh, as a product manager, actually, and, and slash UX research um, at, at a company called Osmed, uh, which is a health, health tech company. Um, so that, that started my journey. I think had I not taken that first leap, um, which, was a bit of a, which was a bit of a leap, and everyone was saying, why did you do that? Um, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't be where I am today, which is in a really exciting role, uh, working with technology and making real, real differences through products and services digitally. Um, I'm currently now working at ANZ um, and having quite a lot of fun there. Um, helping lots of Australians with their with their finances. Uh, ANZ, for those listening um, globally, is one of the big four Australian banks, and there my key focus is really um, research um, uh, and design, um, as well as you know strategy with our products. I'm so glad from that coffee five years ago that you've taken this path. Um, I remember that that first time just talking about psychology and UX and I was leading UX on a product at the time and product design and it was such a great conversation and I'm, you know, your, your energy there was so good and I'm so glad you, you followed it through um, and you found your fit, you found your, you know, your thing. Well, thanks, Jay. I think, you know, you also were one of those people that were pivotal at that time as I was thinking about making that shift. Do you know what I mean? As right. I was taking that role, my first role, and then I was like, oh, I wonder if this is for me. But then as I spoke to more people like yourself who were very friendly and very giving and very helpful, I probably haven't shared this with you before, but, you know, you were one of those people that stood out to me um, as well as, you know, a few others around me. But, yeah, that, that really helped motivate me to want to really pursue this path. Oh, thank you, mate. I really, really pleased right. to hear that. It made me smile. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, thank you. Right. No, it's, that's great to hear. It's, it's great to hear. I'm glad I encouraged you and you ended up enjoying it as opposed to I encouraged you and then you ended up hating it. So. <laughs> no, no, no. That's good. That's good. Um, what was, was there a particular moment um, when, you, when you went all in on deciding to apply your skills in psychology to online? Yeah, there was actually. And that was in that first role that I was talking about, health tech company. So they had a real problem, which was that they didn't have anyone uh, reflecting on their learning because they're, they're like an education learning platform and they needed people to reflect on their learning in order to be compliant with APRA, which is the Australian health regulation body, right? So they sort of tasked me with this, this challenge, you know, how can we get people to reflect on learning that they've done on our platform? Um, and... Uh, basically applied psychology questions, tools, worked with their team as well, because I can't do this all alone, right? Um, so with the dev teams, worked with them to build a tool um, that actually helped people reflect on their learning. So when I started, like I said, there was like zero people reflecting. Mm. When, I, when we ended or when after about a year of being there, we had 5,000 people roughly actually, you know, reporting and reflecting on their learning. Now, look, that was say three years ago now, and there's many more thousands of people now using that tool, but that there showed me the power of 
wow, human behavior, you know, some questions that I've learned in psychology with some research with some customers and this tool that's digital can have huge impacts in society. And that was when the penny dropped. Yeah, I love it. I do, I do remember that sort of time as well was um, design thinking, human-centered design. Some of these research, the whole research side of product development was gaining a lot more mainstream attention um, um, from organizations around, around, particularly in Australia where we were, um, but, but around the world. And, you know, that, that research side of product development and design um, it was always fascinating to me. I think for many of us in product or UX around that time, we all felt a little bit like imposters maybe. You know, and yeah. it's been a heavy amount of research activity or come from a research background. It was, oh, we're getting into the space, but are we doing it the right the way? Um, and so it's, it's great to hear someone like yourself that comes from a heavy research sort of background um, being, being able to apply that. Um, when you're out looking using experiencing products is there has there been any key experiences where you've really been persuaded or motivated to do something because of a tactic used um or, or a design pattern used um along your journey is there any stand-up moments it's a really good question and there's lots that are happening um but there's one that really stood out to me recently because i've been watching netflix um a little bit of netflix um and I was watching this episode, it was quite action packed. Um, and then once we finished this season and this it was about, I don't know, 10 episodes or something, we didn't watch that all in one day, by the way, but it'd been over a couple of weeks, <laughs> not into binge watching okay. Netflix. <laughs> um, but um, then straight after there wasn't any sort of um, gap, but then a, a movie very similar to the one I'd just been watching, which was called Fowder, um, which is the series, then uh, Extraction came up, which was this very action-packed movie, which seemed very much aligned to the other movie I just watched. And, and that there, and I was just watching this, this, this trailer, and I was like, oh, wow, that movie looks amazing. Um, but sort of the, the researcher slash design product mind of mine mm. said, oh, this is very interesting. Why am, I, why am I finding this so interesting? Is it because I've just finished watching that episode? And it was really action-packed and I, and I want more of that. Or would I have seen it the same way um, had I just been normally going through my day? Um, and I think the, the answer is probably the first one, which is I was sort of primed, right? And I was motivated. Mm -hmm. And it's good in a way. And I think that's great because now I, I'm thinking I want to watch that movie called Extraction. Mm -hmm. But part of me is also like, uh, that's it's getting it's getting a bit borderline, right? It's getting a bit borderline manipulative. Mm. I'm keen to hear your thoughts, though. Like, have you had mm. that experience with these sort of platforms or any anything else? Yeah, look, I think um, two things on that. It, what's interesting for me on this this point is this is talking about persuasion design, but then also combining it with data science, and you know, think about those two powerful concepts joining forces. That's like Avengers Endgame. You know, that's, that's the beauty of why these products are so powerful of keeping you attached, why they're able to keep their churn down, while they're able to create emotional advocacy when people talk about it, um, like you were just, just then, you know. And so, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I love this space. Um, I, I'd say, yeah, let me have a think. So, the experience of things like that, I, it's also, I take a step back and think, 
Uh, I see what they're doing here. And then, but what I like asking myself is how would I do it any different if I would at all? What could I do different? How could I take what they're trying to do with me and improve that? And I think the, the interesting point that, that you touched on there is where are the ethical boundaries in that? If they know you've been watching for 10 hours, I know you said you hadn't, but if you had, would that still have happened? Would they have still have suggested, how about another movie? Um, and how do we as product people think about that strategically and tactically? And, and how do we start to make decisions and try and create influence around what we're deciding where, where that ethical boundary is or, or isn't that that's yeah, that's to me then the next level of product management for, for the years ahead and um, persuasion design and all of these things is, you know, we talk about dark patterns, but is there also some gray patterns that are a little bit in between? <laughs> I don't know. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because we just ran a, a workshop last month on dark patterns through the UX psychology community. And we did start to touch on the Amazon experience, for example. Um, and there was a great DB results consultants came in and they ran this workshop for us and it was fantastic, right? It was actually very interactive. And what we explored was trying to exit the Amazon experience. I don't know if you've ever tried to do that, right. but it may, it's, it's very difficult to, so to cancel your subscription with Amazon. Yep. Um, and some of those techniques that were being in then, used in there, they weren't totally dark, but they were kind of gray. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's a very interesting point. But I think another thing to add to your point, which was around choice. So if you've just watched 10 hours, I feel like there should be like a circuit breaker to help you choose, right? Whether or not you want to watch another hour or two, right? If, but then how much of that is actually will or is it just total submission? Like I've watched 10 hours and I can't do anything else now. So yeah. I think it's a watch this space, right? As technology gets better like the analytics and the design gets better yeah it's all who yeah. knows <laughs> can I ask, it's exciting what, what, what with regards to the the psychology training research and experience you've had now over the years and you're yeah. studying in a workshop and you're designing uh, and working through a product experience um what what do you think is going through your head that might be different to I don't want to say the average UX designer, but someone who's come mm. from a pure design-only background. What's, what's different, do you think, about the psychology angle that you bring? It's a great question, Jay, and I get this question quite a bit. Right. Um, I suppose the difference is, and I don't mean to like knock design as well at, at all, but design is very focused on making the product um, you know, uh, usable, uh, sorry, look good, but also touched on usability a bit, right? A lot of the great designers I've worked with are focused on making things look great, um, colors being good, alignment, et cetera. And that's generally the discussion I have, right? But there's another element to that, which is the research side of things, which is another layer, right? You then incorporate research and some of the designers I work with also incorporate research. It's great. But then there's one other element, which is a bit of understanding around human behavior and research and principles that help motivate um, that more. So I'll give you an example, right? Um, so design, you might design a flow, for example, to, um, to onboard or to do something like that, right? Mm. The research will then say people are not 
going through that flow correctly, they feel a bit lost. Okay. So the research shows that you want to add like a progress meter, right? Um, but then the psychology will then show that, oh, if you add maybe a little bit of scarcity in that flow or some language that, you know, taps into some sort of other emotion or, or maybe encourages them, right? You then get further, um, uh, completion. So I suppose it's that layered effect, right? You can still get great outcomes with the design. You can also just get great outcomes with design and research. But then if you just add that other layer, which is that psychology and the research in psychology, you can get even better, better results. I suppose right. that's the way I, that's why I like to see it. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, have you found yourself questioning your own tactics and what you're applying to persuade people to do things at any point? Yes. So yeah, that's, really? that's another really good question. Um, uh, like it's, it's a good one and I have been questioning it and I suppose where I draw the line is, you know, am I being transparent with what I'm getting people to do and mm -hmm. am I actually helping people do something they already needed to do or mm -hmm. am I going to introduce something that they didn't even need? Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I start to sort of question things. Um, when did I question something like this? Ooh. I think it was when, and I won't name companies or anything, but um, when we actually were creating incomplete states to help motivate people to complete things. Right. Okay. So, and they become hugely uh, important for the business to get information that they needed like maybe yep. just correct names or correct emails right yep. um, or correct titles to help our sales team um, but part of me was like why what, what, what's the benefit for the user here and I started to question maybe is the business profiting more from this than the user from having this incomplete state so that's an example of where I you know I started to, to question that awesome awesome thank you for sharing it's, it's, uh... no, that's all right it's so great and so refreshing to someone who comes at comes at the same problems but from a from a different different angle completely yeah on your journey david have you met someone else that's also come from psychology into ux or product development? uh i've met a few like one of my best okay. mates i think who's also motivated me we were both studying organizational psychologists right he also is working like UX product and Uber. So, you know, we're on a similar path, him and I, but, but outside of that, look, there's a few like through, through the likes of LinkedIn and um, Facebook and all that. I've connected with people in the UK called some guy called Nick, sorry, a guy called Nick Fine, who yep. I follow. He's also a UX psychologist. Right. Okay. Um, so there are a few out there. Um, but, like you know, eyes. <laughs> Like Jedi's. <laughs> Jedi's. Somewhere there's a baby Yoda. <laughs> but I suppose that's what's inspired me, right? To build right. the community and go virtual and maybe even start a podcast soon too. Or no, yeah. we are starting a podcast soon. Committed. Connect, yeah, nice. You know, with all these people around the world thinking a little bit like you and me, you know, and talking this way. Let's jump into that um, build, building community. So, so mm. talk us through some of the background here with regards to the, well, the name of the community and, and how you got to, to got it going. Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, so 
That there is, um, so I run a community called UX Psychology and we have about 4,000 members within um, Melbourne and Australia, I'd say. Um, so each, each month we run a workshop, a practical workshop that teaches practical skills about you know, human behavior, technology or design. Um, and we get people from all walks of life coming from that, all parts of the digital landscape. Um, it's been, you know, it's grown. Um, people get a lot of value out of it. Um, and I think one of the main things people say to me and the feedback they give me is that these workshops are great because they're practical and we learn something practical that, you know, each time we come here, it's not just a talk. We're not just talking, you know, I can actually take what I'm learning in here and take it to work tomorrow. There's that element, but there's also the element of connection. So our workshops are designed so that people are actually connecting and, and, and meeting one another. Awesome. Awesome. What, what, what do you enjoy most about that community? I mean, I've got my story, but t t tell me about some, some moments that, that you're fond of if you look back that really make you smile. <laughs> That's a good question, Jay. You're really good at these questions. Um, <laughs> you're making me really go back in my brain and really, I like it. Um, I think one of the first moments was when I was totally just at the inception of the idea. Um, and I was actually staying up late the night before um, having published the, the event, cooking and making food for my meetup that was going to be the next day. Right. And I put it in my car and I was ready. And, and then everyone started to come. And there was probably about 30 people at my first meetup at RMIT in Melbourne. And I was like, oh, holy moly, I got some validation for this thing called UX and psychology. Just mix them together. And whew, there we go. We've got people and we've got the speakers. And this is a thing now. Like, oh. So that was probably one of the, the first. Um, and then. I think second was when we reached, you know, like well over one and a half thousand members in Melbourne and people, for example, when I started at ANZ were like, oh, hey, you're the guy who runs, you know, UX psychology. I've, I've come to some of your workshops. I've learned heaps and I've, you know, I want to come back. When's the next one? And that for me was like, oh, you know, phew, that's really lovely to be acknowledged for the hard work that I'm, that I'm doing for the community. Um, awesome. So, you know, they're some of the highlights for me, I suppose. Nice. Are you still cooking for the master <laughs> session? <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. You're living yeah, a hard no, life, no. fully catered. <laughs> well, the thing is now, a lot of our meetups are virtual, so <laughs> we no, don't have yeah. to provide. No, no. Everyone brings their own drinks and nibbles. <laughs> There's no Uber Eats for everyone. Um, <laughs> There's no Uber. Maybe one day, maybe one day, but no, not at the moment. <laughs> Do you remember what you cooked back for that first meetup? Do you remember what the dish was that attracted so many people? <laughs> <laughs> Good, great question. I actually made little uh, sandwiches. They were little sandwiches with some, you know, different right. things in there and kept it simple. And and lollies and just simple yeah. stuff, but people appreciated it. Yeah, lovely. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. So, so tell me a bit, bit more about. Um, so, what's, what's it been now, David? Three, four years? Yeah. 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 That what the community's what, been running. Mm. What, you, what are you planning next then? I mean, as much as you can plan in the year 2020. <laughs> well, what I'm, what I'm thinking now is I really want to take this upper level. Like everyone in Melbourne sort of knows what UX psychology is in the space. Mm -hmm. But I think it's about now going a bit more global. And, you know, I think through COVID, what's actually taught me is that, it, that not everything has to be physical. It's actually like it can be virtual. So I think more online learning 
um, and getting speakers internationally to help people in Australia. So that's step one, and that's that's been going well. We've one we've run one already with um, Ag yeah. Prof Prof Professor Agnes from yeah. Paris, and he facilitated a workshop for some mainly Australian um, designers and product people, which went really well. Um, the second layer is going to be the podcast, and we're going to be learn launching that within a couple of weeks. We've got a couple of speakers lined up where we're going to be interviewing people in human behavior, design, and technology, um, and getting their thoughts. Very similar to this. Awesome. Um, so I'm very excited about that. I love it. I love it. I love it. So on your career journey, um, yeah. you know, you took, you took a big scary step, you know, from a, you know, um, organizational psychology into psychology and technology. And I imagine you, you've had to have a certain type of mindset to ensure that you're developing as a human and you've got to be coachable along that way. Um, and you've, clearly been able to achieve that um what is it around you know reflecting on your first week month and year in in a completely new space from um from educate what you you know purely studying in, in education what is it around that coachability that you think was particularly important to to your success and maybe to others it's a great question around the, the coachability aspect, right? That's what I hear. That word gets thrown around a lot. Um, mm. I suppose, well, if I go back to what made me become more coachable, it was actually quite a big failure in my career. So um, what happened was I started a law degree um, for the wrong reasons. And then I didn't end up finishing a law degree because it just wasn't suited to the way I thought, the way that I am, um, which is quite creative. And, and that's why I think design and psychology has helped me in that space. Mm. So it's allowed me to grow with it, right? And it was right for me. Um, but being coachable, I suppose, what that, so that, that moment, choosing that degree and then not finishing that degree made me see um, that I had to be coachable if I wanted to get where I wanted to go because what I'd been doing in the past hadn't worked, right? So I'm a big believer of, you, you know, you know what you know and, and, and then there's other things that other people know about you, but then there are things that are unknown right? And that's totally unknown. But you can learn a lot about from other people that you don't know. And that's where your blind spots are, right? And I think we've spoken a bit about this mm. in the past, right? It's, it's really interesting. They're your blind spots. And over the years, people have sort of been able to help me and coach me and see things that I'm not able to see, which has allowed me to grow and, and develop. And I just think that's a really essential skill for everyone, right? I think being coachable like that, just it just helps you grow and develop in different areas that, and, and that you wouldn't think were possible no you touched on some really good points when i think back through my own career i was um very fortunate to um to join a great startup you know 27 28 years old have some fantastic success and i would actually say around the age of 30 to 31 out of my youth and arrogance of finding success in a product and, and living a great story, I, I was actually uncoachable. And I, I had no idea of that at the time. But when I look back, um, I, I see almost a, a plateau in, in performance there. And, and when I think about coachability as a, as a concept, as, you know, how does that wrap up into, into how I was performing, behaving, and, um, and going about my day, really? And, um, 
because of that, I'd actually say now, probably more coachable than ever. Um, and, and I think that's really important is to remain malleable um, in this day and age. You've just got to, um, you can master anything and it probably won't be here in five to 10 years unless it's something purely fundamental, but in our industry, et cetera, um, it's, it's really the principles that, that will survive and everything else around that is going to change. And so, um, yeah, it, it's certainly, I, I wish I was giving this conversation thought back at the age of sort of 30 to 32, 33 years old. Um, definitely. So random well, question for, for you. No, yeah. pleasure. Um, for anyone else who's 27 to 30 years old and <laughs> made it very successful, um, don't be a dick. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. you know, um, so um, if you could have a billboard with anything on it, um, what would it be and why? So this is a great segue from what we were just talking about. But if what, what I'd say is, you never lose, you either win or learn. Um, and that was a Nelson Mandela quote, right? So you never lose, you either win or learn. And I think that there is really, really important, right? No matter what happens, and you know, you might you know, fail at law, right? Or you fail at your product or you fail at your business. You know, the podcast I've got may fail, like whatever, right? All that is just learning, right? It's, it's, it's you know, but it could also win, right? Mm. And if you see life like that, it doesn't become a chore. It actually becomes really exciting. You know, it becomes really exciting, especially when I start to doubt myself, for example, you know, it's like, is this going to work? Is it not going to work? You know, but it's like, no, who cares? Like it's, you're either going to, I'm either going to make it or I'll, I'll learn something from it. Who cares what other people think about me? And I don't really mind, you know? So that's, that's why that quote really sings strong for me. Would it be your face or Nelson's face? <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't know. Put maybe mine and Nelson's face. I don't know. No, <laughs> you wouldn't believe I've had that quote on my Facebook page since that's been with me now for probably well over six years. I think it's been, you know, you, you can choose a cover and it's just yeah. been the, the quote that's stuck there. And every time I've gone to change it, I've been like, I think I'm going to leave that. It's still very much nice. my, my thing, yeah. you know? So yeah. hmm. what a man, what a man. Um, I know. You think about the wins and learnings he, he went through in, in life. Um, Wow. Wow. Uh, so lastly, let's go Melbourne on this final weird question. Um, yeah. Where would you, where would you slap this billboard up in? Any, any uh, intersections that stand out to you? Is <laughs> a good billboard location to get your message out there? That's a good question. Uh, maybe, maybe in the center of the city, like just over, you know, that Flinders street there. Uh, above, put it up. above the pub, Young and Jackson. Above the pub there on that yeah. virtual board. Yeah. yeah nice. Loads I think that'd be perfect there. Loads of exposure. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. Can I throw it back any, at you? Where, any what would you put on a billboard? Sorry. What would I put what? on a billboard? Um, yeah. What would I put on a billboard? Um, I, mean, I feel like you were better prepared for that question than I, than I was. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Uh, what would I put on a billboard? Um, uh, let's, let's think. I think it would be, what is colour? Ooh, what is colour? Just having a look why I said that. I can't find the book. Oh, here it is. Sorry, there's Are you ready a book. book on? For those listening on the podcast, this is useless. But um, on the video, um, there's a, a book that... So I'm standing in an Airbnb, massive library in this Airbnb, which is amazing. Uh, and the book I've got here that I picked up 
as my go-to-bed material is the classics of Western philosophy. And uh, first chapter is uh, Plato and Mino having a chat, as they did in ancient Greece. Glass yeah. <laughs> <Last> red. Well. <laughs> and... And this, this is one of the questions that they're talking, they go like ultimate meta on me and this blew my mind. Wow. Know, what is color? And they talk through and, and then it's like, what is shape? And it's like a oh, rectangle square. Now they are a shapes, but what is shape? What is color? And it just blew my mind. Yeah. And so that question has sat with me for about two weeks of how after reading the answer in book but also how would i answer that how would i put that into today's words or my words and i actually went i brought it up with my four-year-old daughter as a way of researching how does a four-year-old think about that question what is color and she said red first and i went no that's a color what is color and she went paints and so she's starting to think about the concept of how does color get from a thing into your eye you know i can see she's trying to draw those lines and yeah and it, and it blew my mind so um yeah so there would be my thought-provoking question on a billboard at a set of traffic lights everyone's sitting there going what is color <laughs> what is color yeah color there you go that's going to keep you awake tonight that's gonna think about that one <laughs> sorry to put you on the spot but that was a good answer there we go. There we go. Um, nice. David, I've loved every single moment of um, chatting through with you today. Thank you so much. Likewise, Jay. Thanks for having me on here. Absolute pleasure. Um, I, you know, I'd love to do this again. Maybe we could start to talk about some, some patterns, some persuasion tactics and go a bit deeper uh, another day. That'd, totally. be cool. That'd be cool, mate. Thank you so much Great. to David DiCipio um, for, for jumping in and sharing everything um, in this short amount of time we've had to talk about designing behavior. It's been awesome. If you've enjoyed this episode, please remember that everything I'm doing here is to raise awareness and support for the bushfire affected communities, volunteer firefighters and wildlife of Australia following the 2019, 2020 bushfires that devastated the country. So if you'd like to support either volunteer firefighters, the national bushfire fund or the wildlife of Australia, um, please do so over at bushfire.productcoalition.com. Until the next episode, that's all from me. Thank you. Goodbye.